no matter how your morning started today, it got just a little bit brighter when you were reminded that you have a one o'clock dismissal, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and hopefully, too, as we go through the Word of God here, um, again, no matter how your morning started, it will begin to look brighter as the truths of Scripture uh, overflow your mind and your heart. Now, how many of you here are early risers? Like, you like to get up early. Oh, okay. About what I expected. A little more than what I expected, actually. I am not one of those. I am not someone who really likes to wake up early, except for two reasons. One, if I'm telling somebody about Jesus, I'll get up early. And two, if I'm going out to hunt something. Those are really the two reasons I wake up early. And so this morning, getting ready to share Jesus with all of you, I woke up early. Just to kind of get my mind right, get my heart right, uh, let this lesson kind of saturate myself. And as I'm, as I'm out in the living room, my oldest daughter shows up. And she's standing there looking with this like bewildered look on her face, like, what is dad doing up this early? And she's like, dad, what are you doing I said, well, I'm, I'm getting ready to uh, share scripture, share the word of God with students at CCS. And she goes, oh, yeah, are you going to tell them about Jesus? I said, yeah, I'm going to tell them about Jesus in a little bit of a unique fashion this morning. And she said, well, can you, can you do something for me? I said, sure, what do you want me to do? She said, dad, can you read for them Psalm 23? And I thought about it. It's like, oh yeah, absolutely I can read Psalm 23 for them. Because something that's really cool is she is memorizing. She's seven years old. She is memorizing Psalm 23 and illustrating it in a notebook that she has. So she's drawing pictures that go along with Psalm 23. So if you have your Bibles or you want to pull a Bible out from, from the pew either in front of you or behind you, Go ahead and open up to Psalm 23. This is where we're going to start this morning, so it's kind of like a devotional before the lesson, because this was not anywhere in the plan, but it actually works really well. So the Lord has his way of doing things. Psalm 23. And before I read this, I would encourage you all, if, if you're not reading a scripture like shortly after you wake up, I encourage you to do that and maybe even make it this psalm. Maybe even make it Psalm 23, the very first thing you read in the morning. All right, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? 
Let's pray real quick, and then we'll dive right into the lesson. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Lord, thank you for being our shepherd. Lord, no matter how any of our mornings started this morning, Lord, we know that you are the good shepherd, and you lead us beside still waters. You make us lie down in green pastures. And even when it looks like death is on the doorstep, I won't fear. I pray that none of us fear because we know that you are with us and that you have goodness in store for us forever. Lord, may your word speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So where we're going to be at this morning for the rest of our time is in the book of Daniel. So many of you know, probably know, uh, the stories within the book of Daniel, right? You know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. So what we're going to do is, we're actually this morning going to look at those two stories within Daniel, and I want to show you the similarity between them, because though each one of those circumstances actually gives the same characteristic of who God is, and the same word is used to describe God. So I know many of you are, are getting there right now, so it's, it's gonna, we're going to be in Daniel 3 to start off. And let me set up the scene for you. In Daniel 3, King Nebuchadnezzar, so this is, he had this dream that Daniel interprets, and shortly after the dream, Nebuchadnezzar sets up this, this image of himself, this golden image, right? Because, well... He's the king, and he's powerful, and he wants people to worship him. So he sets up this image and brings all of the important people, all the governors, the prefects, the, the really high up, like president-type people and his advisors. He brings them all to this area where this, this golden statue of himself is. And he makes this, this decree that at the sound of these different instruments, like the harp, the lyre, um, the trumpet, at the sound of these different instruments, everyone is to fall down and bow before this idol. Everyone. Everyone. And with that decree, he says this, whoever does not fall down, right? So this is the rule. This is the punishment. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. That's verse 6 of Daniel chapter 3. And then you go down to verse 8. And I want to read this for you. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused 
the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Note, they are in positions of, of importance and power. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? I want you to note that, that line right there. Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I love their answer. They answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. There's a word in there that's repeated twice. Nebuchadnezzar says, who is this God that will deliver you? So deliver. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, our God whom we serve is able to what? To what? What's that word? Yeah. Okay. Starts with a D. Our God is, what's that? Deliver. So Nebuchadnezzar is mocking the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> Who is he? He's going to deliver you. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, without any question, answer the truth. The truth of who God is. He is the deliverer. They say he, he is able to deliver us. And then there's a statement they make after that. But if not. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew what was in front of them. They knew that they were going to worship the Lord and not worship the false god, the idol of Nebuchadnezzar. So what was in front of them? A burning, fiery furnace. And basically what they're saying is, no matter what, I will not defy 
the living God. I want you to catch that. Because they knew that God was able to save them from the fire. But they also knew that it could have been God's will that they would be killed in the fire. But you know what they knew? Either way, they win. Either way, they're victorious. Because they had stood for the Lord. They had been faithful to the living God in not bowing down to a false idol. So either God saves them from the fire or they go be in his presence. I don't know about you, but that's a win either way. So let's read what happens. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled. This is verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. God did show up. God showed up in the midst of the fire to deliver them from that fire. I love what happens next because what happens next is Nebuchadnezzar now recognizes the living God. He recognizes Yahweh. All right, that is the Hebrew word for the Lord. He recognizes him and, and even calls Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, Servants of the Most High God. Before this point, who did he think was the Most High God? Himself, right? That's what he thought. God delivers Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar sees God. And Nebuchadnezzar keeps going in verse 28. He says, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not willing to bow down just for safety. Just to live in the flesh. They weren't willing to give up their God. The only living God. They said, I can imagine in their minds, they said, no, no, no. No matter what happens to us, no matter what happens, we will trust in him. We will trust. See, I think a lot of us, we fear. We fear what might happen if we step out and go against the grain of culture. As I'm not going to lie to you. There are things all over this earth that are trying to take your worship. They're calling you to worship something other than the living God. And many people find themselves bowing down to those things or to those people. But I find encouragement with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to stand. To stand and worship the one and only God who is able to deliver you from peril. The one who promises deliverance. There's another account in Daniel, and this is actually with Daniel himself. Verse uh, chapter 6. This one is probably just as familiar. It's Daniel in the lion's den. So what happens here in Daniel, with Daniel and his life? Daniel was loved by the king, and there's a new king on the scene now, okay? The Persians have come in, and they have conquered the Babylonians and have now taken up uh, the mantle of power within Babylon. And so you have a new king on the scene, King Darius, and he, he actually loved Daniel. Daniel was like one of his closest advisors, and he was set actually over the kingdom. So very close relationship. And there were others within Darius's circle who hated that a, an Israelite, a Hebrew, had a position of power. And so what do they try to do? They try to set up, well, they actually succeed, in setting up this scheme to, to get Daniel to break the law. And so they're like, oh, king, hey, for 30 days, for 30 days, make this, make this law, right? That people should only worship our gods and no one else. And it was in order to catch Daniel and to make him an enemy of the king. And so when Daniel hears of this, this paper, this law being signed, this is what he did in verse 10. Verse 10 of chapter 6, it says, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, 
And when, it's, when something is signed by a king and he places his signet ring on it, it can't be changed. Okay? When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. These guys who were setting up Daniel, they knew what Daniel did. They knew his daily routine. They knew that he went and prayed to the Lord. But they did not like Daniel being in power. So here's what happened. Verse 12. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. That's the king. He set his mind to deliver Daniel because he loved Daniel. He labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. Do you see the similarity between Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And Daniel, different circumstances, same deliverer. A stone was brought and laid at the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace, spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to, what? Save you, deliver you from the lions. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad, exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken, taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Wow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego face to face in the fiery furnace. The Lord delivers them out of the fiery furnace because they had trusted in him. 
Daniel face to face with these lions in the den of lions was delivered from certain peril, certain death, because he had what? Trusted in the Lord. You know what's really interesting? I think sometimes we read these stories and go, wow, that is really awesome, really cool. That could never happen to me. And I'm here to tell you that God, that same God that delivered Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel is the exact same one that lives today. He is able to deliver you from certain peril. You need only to trust him. But if he decides not to deliver you from fleshly death, then what loss is that? There isn't one. As as I mentioned before, I love the stories of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. And I think that they're meant for us to see that God is a big God. To know who he is. The word of God is God's revelation to us about himself. And what I get from this is that the Lord is the deliverer. Jehovah Mephalti. Say that. Jehovah Mephalti. The Lord is my deliverer. Now how does that connect with Jesus? I, I tell you what, I looked at the two things that these guys were rescued from. They were rescued from fire, and they were rescued from lions. Often we associate fire with what? Hell. Lions, you can read in the New Testament, the devil roars a prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone whom he may devour. Whoa. Colossians 1.13 and this is where it all comes together. Because in the Old Testament we get the picture of the deliverer. And in Colossians 1.13, we find out who that deliverer is. It says, and this is talking about Jesus Christ. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. That is only true for those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. How did he deliver us from the domain of darkness? By stepping out of heaven, being born 
of a virgin as a baby, living that perfect life, the sinless, spotless life of the sacrificial lamb, and going to the cross, bearing the sins of the world, my individual sins, your individual sins, the sins of the world upon himself, and shedding that perfect blood so that the wrath of God would be satisfied. And the proof that the wrath of God was satisfied is in the empty tomb. Because God rose him from the dead. So how does God deliver us? Through his death and resurrection. He's delivered you from darkness. Are you living like it? Do you find yourself just going the way of the world? Because in these stories, it would seem that everyone else, in, in the stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, it would seem as if everyone else went the way of the world. Except those guys. They were different. Because they knew the promises of God. They knew the living God. And they trusted him. Do you trust him with your life? And I'm not just talking about, uh, I am talking about salvation. Have you made that declaration to place your full faith and trust in Jesus? And if you have, do you trust him with everything? Some of you here might be called to be missionaries overseas in areas of the world where they want to kill you. Will you trust him? There might be stuff that starts to happen here where persecution happens. Might find yourself hiding. Might find yourself in a situation of going to jail. I don't know. Any of those things can happen. Will you trust him? Will you trust him with just your daily decisions today? Because each one of you, I believe, is going to be faced with a decision of following the world, sinful actions, or following the Lord and trusting in him, knowing that he can, he can and will deliver you from those sins. That's what Jesus does delivers us. He is Jehovah Mephalti. The Lord is my deliverer. Is he yours? Be different, guys. If you find yourself looking a whole lot like the world, it most likely doesn't look a whole lot like Jesus. Be different. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for being our deliverer, Lord, for that shed blood on the cross, that empty tomb, so we can be delivered from the domain of darkness, delivered from our own sins. 
Mm. Lord, you satisfied the wrath of God. So that we could be free. You've rescued us. You've saved us. Thank you, God. And now, Lord, help us to live with that truth at the forefront of everything we do that you have delivered us. Help us to trust in you. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be obedient. Lord, help us to look like Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.